For me, my ultimate goal in marketing as a mar marketing director is to persuade my parents to order from Dami. Do <laughs> you succeed if they order from Daniel? No chance. It's really amazing to see everyone here, finally. Uh, before, before any introduction, I just want to kick off this uh, with a quick question to, uh, to Preta. Uh, like, on LinkedIn, you mentioned that emotions, creativity, and data sums up your professional life. Mm -hmm. I have a very important question for you. What would you say the most emotional moment in that professional life? It's a tough one. Uh, unfortunately, I wanted to say that it is uh, linked or related to COVID. Uh, I think that morning I will never forget. Uh, it was in, uh, in March in 2020. It was Saturday morning. Uh, I was running. So on Saturday morning, 6.30, I went running. Normally, I do run like 10 to 15K. Uh, but that, that day, I ran like literally 300 meters. Then my smartphone uh, went crazy because the government announced, you know, all the restrictions, the first lockdown, uh, and so on. And suddenly, basically, we needed to change everything in terms of our marketing plans, uh, marketing budgets, and it was very hectic weekend, Saturday, Sunday, and I think it did not stop up, up until now. But uh, uh, so, so that, that was first one. And the, the second one uh, is, was definitely the introduction of our fashion brand. It's still small, it's more like a hobby, but uh, it's always nice to see that uh, you know, something you, you was working on uh, really, really hard went into life. We had our first fashion show in 2015, like more than 300 people came, so it was really great and it was an amazing moment. Right, thanks a lot, we're gonna have a lot of talks about emotions uh, today. First off, let's, let me start with a quick question. How many people here identify themselves as not marketers? Okay, so what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> okay, we have a photographer here, thank you, Ramsey. Uh, well, like, thank you for, for coming in a way. I hope you're gonna get at least one of two things today. One, you can learn something new that can help you in your business, no matter what you are doing. Uh, second is actually getting to meet with other peers in, um, uh, in the business. Uh, so today we're gonna have um, uh, a very uh, hopefully intense and insightful uh, discussion. We are here in uh, in Hub Hub, so like thank you for Hub Hub for hosting us in their uh, in their event space. Actually, uh, our company that I do, we uh, are located upstairs. We work here in Hub Hub. It's an amazing place to be. Uh, second, I hope everyone got uh, some drinks ready for uh, for this. If not, we have more drinks uh, outside uh, and. As you might imagine, uh, it was delivered by Damiedlo. Uh, not only delivered, but actually it was courtesy of Damiedlo. So thank you uh, for uh, bringing the, the drinks. And after after the event, after one, once we finish, uh, hopefully you're gonna have some snacks outside. They should be delivered within half an hour if the delivery works fine. Uh, so uh, stay here. And yeah, uh, so you can uh, communicate um, uh, with with every with everyone else. First thing, let's um, uh, let's start with Damiedlo. So, uh, would you tell us a little bit? I think I, a lot, I I'm, I'm sure everyone here knows Damiedlo, but I'm sure there are many things actually don't they don't know about Damiedlo. Damiedlo was founded in 2012 by Tomas Chuper. Uh, I believe most of you guys know Tomas. Uh, but uh, what you maybe don't know that actually he sold the business just after two years uh, to Delivery Hero. Uh, Delivery Hero is one of the largest uh, food delivery and at the moment I should say e-commerce companies uh, in the world. We operate almost in 50 countries. Damiedlo covers uh, 170 cities in the, in the Czech Republic and we cover more than 60% of the population which when it comes to marketing is really useful because we can do large scale uh, nationwide campaigns, including TV, and we will uh, talk about it later. 
Uh, we, uh, in the customer database, we have more than two and a half million uh, people. Uh, when, when there is a lunch peak with over more than, uh, I think at the moment, 12,000 meals per hour, so it's okay. a big operations. Uh, we do have more than 6,000 restaurants and shops uh, on the platform, and at the moment, uh, more than 500 people internally and more than 4,000 riders. So uh, I'd say we're already a pretty big company. Cool. Uh, and I think recently you uh, you moved from only um, uh, like food delivery to also like uh, what we are calling like the quick commerce, mm -hmm. right? Uh, yeah, it, it's kind of funny. Uh, I mentioned that we were founded by uh, Thomas Schuper. Uh, he sold the company after two years, start, uh, and then he founded Rohik. Uh, I think I don't need to introduce Rohik. And at the moment, we are becoming kind of competitors because we started our own uh, grocery delivery. We do deliver also from Tesco, from Shopka, and from many other vendors, uh, SuperZoo for uh, for your pets, uh, Bambule uh, for uh, for your kids. Uh, and also, for example, we deliver from Erotic City, uh, <laughs> uh, if you're bored in the evening. Uh, yeah, I want to I know more about this. <laughs> uh, no, but, but we also have something called Dark Stores. We have our, our small shops uh, from where we deliver extra fast uh, your groceries. At the moment, the grocery delivery, we our average time for DMARC or Double Market is around 20 minutes. But uh, actually, this is really the new trend. Maybe at the moment you don't feel it in Prague or in the Czech Republic. But uh, if you went to, uh, for example, to Berlin or to London, the, the the average delivery time the companies are proposing is 10 minutes. Or a food panda in Berlin even under 10 minutes. So so imagine yourself like sitting in the evening watching TV. You're craving for beer. You're craving for chips or popcorn. Uh, you open up the app, I don't know, Food Panda or Gorillas, get here, Joker, anything like that, and basically everything will get delivered to you in, in 10 minutes. It's something which is amazing. Uh, it's very easy to get used to it, believe me. And the trend is coming, not, not only from, from Dameido, but actually um, I need to mention that also our competitors are opening it up. Vault you know, is having many vendors already. Bold food uh, and so on. So we'll see uh, who will grab the, the highest market share. And on the other hand, uh, Rovik is also trying to, to deliver, uh, deliver much faster. At the moment, I think they introduced even 60 minutes delivery. So for you as a consumer, uh, it, it will be, I think 222 will be quite interesting because you as a consumer, you will definitely benefit from it. I think everyone will have some special vouchers, promotions, discounts, and so on, which is always tough for me as a uh, as a marketing director and being responsible for the marketing budget. <laughs> but uh, uh, it will be tough one. That actually will be will be my next my next question. As you said, you are the marketing director, but at the same time you are the head of PI. So I want to understand like what are the main difference between the responsibilities of you as a marketing director and um, uh, a head of PI? I'm always saying a joke that it's a nice position to be in because uh, I can create the marketing campaigns or I'm responsible for the marketing campaigns and then my PI team evaluates them. <laughs> no, 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 of course, I'm not, not uh, cheating. But uh, uh, it's great to, to have the knowledge of the data, uh, of how data can be used to drive the business. Uh, and, and then to apply them in, in marketing, uh, you know, and at, at the moment I think we are speaking about data-driven marketing, most of the marketing is being driven by data. Uh, it might sound as a cliche, but it's the truth. Uh, I'm at the same time actually teaching at the university. Uh, and, uh, you know, when I ask my students if they want to go to marketing, of course they say yes, they imagine that they will create the ads, the nice pictures, the nice, you know, TV spots and so on. But marketing is about numbers. It's they will spend more time in Excel, uh, in Microsoft yeah. Excel, than you know, creating the, the, the nice photos or the nice movies. And it's about the numbers. But I don't want to say it's still, all, or it should be all about data. I think the emotions, creativity, and data needs to be linked together. And because, and we will speak about it later, we are creatures of habits, of emotions, and so on. 
and uh, good advertising is about stories, it's about storytelling, so it needs to be linked. I think this is one thing that we are um, uh, always misjudge, that we underestimate the effects of emotions in our purchase decisions. And people think even for B2B, if you are buying the software, that you think, hey, like, gonna be a very rational decision, we're gonna evaluate every software out there, and but we really, really underestimate how emotions are involved in that uh, decision. And like this is where the, the study of the behavioral economics um, uh, come in place. And you told me how, how much Damien Lu is, is uh, uh, working on that. And I think one of the first emotions that you deal with is hunger. <laughs> uh, which is a very, it's a very thing, a very nice thing for you to have because you're gonna have that emotion multiple times a day. Uh, it, it is true. Uh, like uh, every one of us is, uh, I think, hungry uh, at least maybe two, three times a day, maybe somewhat more. Uh, but uh, on the other hand, when you are hungry, uh, you're becoming highly emotional, highly irrational. Uh, then actually uh, it's good for me as a marketer because you can be nudged, uh, the, the behavioral economics uses the term nudge, you, know, uh, you can be nudged to make some, uh, some decision. Uh, uh, and basically, yeah, there's a slide uh, above me, uh, there's a great book, Thinking Fast and Slow by, by Daniel Kahneman, and he's saying that every one of us is having two systems, you know, the, the, the one which is purely rational, that's the Spock, you know, uh, uh, when you're using the system, it's basically, uh, for example, when you are in a new city and trying to find your way through a new city or speaking foreign language and so on, because you need to make effort. Uh, and that rational system that spoke uh, inside of us is mostly, uh, like as mentioned, rational and uh, doesn't do mistakes. But then 90% of, uh, of our decisions is made uh, in emotions. There's that Homer Simpson craving for donut. Uh, and basically, that, that system number two, as Daniel Kahneman is describing it, is allowing us to, to, to function because uh, we have automated many, many automated mechanisms in us. And you know, we might not be aware of them, but uh, there they are. Uh, and it influences uh, how, how we are behaving. If you studied economics at the university, I believe most of you did, you were having microeconomics. Uh, Microeconomics is kind of a great subject, but uh, there is one big but. Uh, that it, uh, there's an assumption that the person is rational, but of course, as I mentioned, we are mo mainly irrational. So that's why there is behavioral economics, which is trying to describe all those mechanisms. And going back to, to hunger, uh, really, if you are hungry, you're emotional, uh, you're irrational. And uh, as mentioned, we are trying to deliver you the food and uh, the, the groceries within 20, 30 minutes. Uh, let's say if you, your cell phone from Alza gets delivered five minutes late, 10 minutes late, you, you, you don't care. Or if your grocery shopping from Rockwick arrives 15 minutes late, it's still okay. But uh, if you're really, really hungry, you know, we promise that we will deliver you the, I don't know, the Big Mac or something from I don't know, dish, your favorite burger or something from Manifesto within, uh, within those 20 minutes and we even get you know, delayed by five minutes, eight minutes, we will get very emotional. I do work in the company, I know all the processes and everything and I'm very, very grumpy when my order is being delayed, you know, and I'm part of it. Uh, so, so then it's much more difficult how to manage the, uh, the customer experience, how to manage the customer compensations, Frankly, I would not like to sit at our customer care. It's a very, very tough job to deal with hungry, uh, annoyed, and irrational customers. But I do understand that because I'm the same. Yeah, yeah. Like I think you, um, uh, you mentioned, you mentioned to me an example um, uh, before. How can you solve um, um, complicated, uh, complicated situations not with Rational with, with rational decision, but more into uh, emotion. And uh, you, you tell me that uh, railways, I think, in, um, uh, yeah, in uh, There is one great story, and it's not from from my head. It's actually I used to before uh, Dami Elon social bakers. I used to work for five years in Ogilvy, 
and uh, although in London they, they really focus on behavioral economics and how to implement the knowledge of behavioral economics into marketing. And there is this great speaker, uh, Rory Sutherland. Uh, by the way, he was speaking also in the marketing festival, I think, a couple of weeks ago here, uh, here in the Czech Republic. And I do highly recommend Rory and his speeches on TED. And uh, he's saying one great story. Uh, a couple of years ago, the, the owners or the company called Eurostar, which operates the train between Paris and London, uh, they got investment of a couple of billions euro, and they were being asked to make the train journey better. And very often we have this engineering solution, the, the rational solutions. So they came up with engineering solution. They improved the, the railway track. They put stronger engines uh, into the trains. And they cut like 40 minutes out of the out of the journey between Paris and London. But then Rory, Rory is saying, like, what is the missed opportunity? You know, would this make the journey better? Just simply make it faster. You know, he's saying, okay, if I hired the the best and the most and the nicest in the world uh, supermodels, both male and female, and, and they would go through the train, you know, handing the most expensive food and champagne and, and so on. You know, people would be much happier uh, on the train, enjoying the, the train ride much more, and they would maybe even ask to make the train journey longer instead of shorter. You know, and, and this this is the thinking we are having. Like we are still stuck kind of in those engineering solutions. Though you know very often we want to use products and services that are making us happier. Like you, you mentioned the idea of, of these notches and uh, like if we if we're gonna implement that in, in, in the marketing wallet and again example of, of Damien Law, like like if, if if it's raining outside right now, like there I'm assuming there are higher possibility that you're gonna order food. Do you have do you have actually a way to implement that into your marketing? Uh, yes, uh, we do. Uh, it's also uh, sometimes a little bit difficult to be marketing or to, to be responsible for marketing in Damilo because when the weather is bad, you mentioned uh, when it's raining, when it's cold, when it's uh, actually dark outside and so on, people tend to order more. You know, And when there is a day with really, really bad weather, actually our orders you know, increases a lot. And much more than through some marketing campaign. You know, the, the rain, the cold weather makes more for us than uh, than some great, you know, emailing with discount, with vouchers, and so on. So maybe the best investment to to marketing would be, you know, how to influence the weather. Did you find a way to do that yet? No, I'm always asking my boss to send me to South America and to some shaman or, or whatever <laughs> to learn how to how to attract rain. But yes, we do implement it into our CRM communication that when we know that the weather will be bad, uh, we proactively communicate, hey, you know, enjoy your evening at home. Uh, uh, I, I think actually both uh, our competitors, they, they made a really nice campaign. Uh, and maybe you have noticed it in, in Czech subway in Metro. Uh, they are using the live data about weather and they are changing actually the visuals in, in Metro. Uh, you know, it's raining outside, or, or, or you know, it, it's related. And like with my BI department, we made a lot of analysis. You know, how the weather influences which type of food people are ordering. So we are also adjusting our communication based on that. Uh, no, no, like wait a minute. So are you saying that the kind of food that people order is different depending on the weather? Sure, it is. <laughs> Okay, interesting. But, uh, Can you tell us more? About, I, I, I'm very curious about that. <laughs> like, what what do we want order when it's sunny versus when it's when it's cold? Well, again, I think I would not be saying something uh, so surprising. Like when it's cold, when it's dark, you, you want to have something juicy, something with fat. So it's uh, yes, it's burgers, it's pizza. Uh, yes, it's also pizza Hawaii. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, who is ordering that? <laughs> no, you might love, but uh, our most selling item is pizza, and uh, and when it comes to pizza, number one is pizza salami with, with, with ham or with, with uh, some salami and so on. And number uh, number two or second is pizza. <laughs> 
You might look I'm, like I'm very offended right now. Uh, yes. <laughs> I, I do remember that, uh, that there was a time when we sent out communication, you know, emailing uh, Pizza Hawaii. And the, the, there was one angry Italian customer actually writing to us, do not ever communicate me uh, or do not ever send me any communication related to Pizza Hawaii or other, you know, completely delete all my apps and I will stop ordering from them. It, it was not me, but like, it, it could have been. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, you, you, you mentioned with, like, how, how you are pushing more into emotions with uh, like with uh, delivery, like how uh, how how delivery um uh, people like behaving with, with the customer and so on. Like how did you manage that? How do you customize the delivery experience for, for the for the user? For us the, the, the writers are uh, very, very important um, because they are at the end of the day they are the only ones who are getting into direct touch uh, with our customers. So I know it's not always perfect. Uh, I think it will never be. Uh, as I mentioned, we have more than 4,000 writers. But uh, uh, there's the whole department focusing on writer quality, uh, how they're uh, behaving and so on. So that, that's for us the, the most important thing, that when your food gets delivered, they should ask you, hey, do you want to deliver it to your floor? Uh, they should always thank you for the order. They should uh, you know, wish you enjoy your meal. Uh, thanks for the tip uh, and all this stuff. I think uh, there is still space for improvement, but uh, we, we are we are working uh, we are working on that. Then uh, uh, and, and we are always trying to make this um, uh, it's called random acts of kindness or some small things how to surprise the customer. Uh, for example, during uh, COVID, during the first lockdown, uh, that there was a huge issue that or a problem for us that uh, normally when the food gets delivered, the, the rider will hand it to you. But uh, people were uh, people were afraid of the COVID, so we were leaving the food or the deliveries behind the door. But uh, if you imagine uh, your food, you don't want your food to 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 get uh, you know uh, to be laying on the floor. And we had customers complaining about it, so we created a small game in Czech Pexaso. The riders were uh, putting the the food on the on the game. So, so customers were happy that the food was not directly touching uh -huh. the ground. Yeah. Uh, and then, if the customers were stuck, you know, at home with kids and so on, uh, they could easily uh, play a small game. Something to apply not only for um, uh, for for e-commerce, but still speak about behavioral economics. Um, the idea of what's called extreme aversion, like um, uh, we as customers were always trying to avoid going to the extreme. So there's a, it's very common in, in SaaS businesses whenever you go to, okay, I'm, uh, I want to look at the pricing of that tool. And it's a very common practice right now. We always have three tiers. Uh, like everyone is copying, uh, copying it. Maybe not a lot of people know why, but it's good that they're copying it because it works. How, how we usually do, like, hey, what is, what is, the, uh, what is the, the, the most expensive thing? Okay, I'm going to take the second one because I'm just want to, Avoid the extreme. So adding the, the the more expensive option, the main the main reason behind just to uh, get you to choose the second one. And have been there have been many um, uh, many studies to actually um, uh, prove uh, prove that. Imagine when you are going to Starbucks or to Costa and buying a cup of coffee. Like most of the people will actually select the, the middle one, the, the middle choice. They will not choose the small one, not the large one. They will choose the middle. Again, it's coded into us that what is in the middle, it's safe, it's safe choice. But mostly, of course, it's the most profitable choice for the, for the owners of that place and, and so on. But still, it works. You know. All right, so delivering, delivering on the emotions, so speaking about, about the channels, uh, like you are definitely have a lot of mediums that you are using. Um, um, uh, not only online uh, online medium, but you have uh, TV ads, you have video ads, um, uh, phone and SMS and so on. Um, how how did you manage all of that, and how do you, how do you deliver your messages through all these different channels? Uh, I'm always saying that I would love to do marketing in fifties and sixties. Uh, I don't know how many of you know the TV show Mad Men. Uh, if you don't know it, I highly recommend it. It's about you know, marketing and advertising in New York, really in fifties and sixties. And by that time, uh, basically, you as a marketer. You had uh, like five, six different media. You had TV, radio, outdoor, print, and maybe some cassette, or it was called 8-track, and so on. And that was it. 
So it, it was up to you to push the message to the consumer. Uh, you didn't have any social media, any instant feedback, you know, customer feedback, complaining 24 hours a day that something, you messed up something and so on. Uh, at, at the moment, uh, I believe there are dozens or maybe even more than 100 different media you can work with. The, the target groups, you know, if you're a big company and, and doing uh, basically having large target groups uh, like us, like Dame Eagle, we kind of need to be everywhere. And, and we need to, you know, basically work with almost every media imaginable. As mentioned, we are on TV, uh, we are running nationwide campaigns, but at the same time, we are publishing our videos on TikTok. We are working with gamers uh, on Twitch and so on. And all those formats are, are different. But then, uh, you know, it's very challenging how to come up with creative idea and messaging and so on that would you know, fit all the channels because simply the, the formats are different, the, the timings are different, uh, sometimes the, the messagings need to be adjusted and so on. And we were facing that, uh, that challenge uh, a year ago and uh, we came up with this, we came up with uh, we we implemented vertical videos uh, into our messaging, uh, you know, using split screens creatively, uh, playing with them. We do have them even on TV, but then, you know, imagine the vertical videos. You can easily post them on TikTok, you know, uh, create YouTube out of them, use them in Instagram reels, uh, and so on. And, uh, like, the, the media, the channel is just a tool. Uh, you know, um, above it, there needs to be some unified messaging, uh, unified idea. Uh, and we were talking a lot about hunger, but uh, actually, uh, if you look at our communication and if you check it, uh, we are not communicating you're hungry or the Rama Eagle. When we did, uh, or when we are doing marketing research and we are doing it repeatedly, when we ask people why they order Dame Ilo, mostly they are mentioning uh, time. I don't have time to cook. Uh, I'm too busy. Uh, or I simply want to enjoy my evening. You know, maybe I have the time, but I don't want to cook. Uh, you know, I want to watch my favorite TV show, movie. I want to now watch, I think Sparta Play was playing today. <laughs> Sparta practice playing today. Um, because I have so many fans, and, and I want to watch I, it. I love Sparta. No, I'm Slavic. <laughs> <laughs> Any Sparta fans here? Oh, it's not. Okay. <laughs> Only two. Okay, so Sparta is not very popular here. Okay. No, no. Uh, and uh, and we are trying to persuade the people that uh, you know it's uh, they are actually not ordering food or or grocery. They are getting time. Uh, and there are researchers, and there is this great speech by Ashley Willens, and she's a researcher or professor at Cambridge University. And uh, she is saying that, and I think it would apply to all of us uh, in this room, that we are all beggars, but not beggars financially, but beggars for time. And definitely it applies to me. And I really like services that, uh, that are helping me to save the time. And there are many researchers that are saying, you know, if you are using those kind of services, you're more happier. So that's why in our communication, we are using the tagline, uh, extra portion of life. Because for us, you are getting that extra portion. And why the mother of the family should spend you know, four hours cooking during the weekend, sometimes she might like it, it's okay. I also personally uh, like cooking and baking. But uh, sometimes I do prefer my time to, to spend with my family, friends, uh, girlfriend, or, or you know, to do things what I like, and, and it's okay. And I, I, for example, for me, my ultimate goal in marketing as a mar marketing director is to persuade my parents to order from Dami <laughs> Because they are this kind of old generation that, you know, why should I pay for a service, you know, gets delivered something when I can do it by myself, you know. They would never order. They would never, um, you know, order a cleaning lady to clean their flat, th though it would make them happier. And we are trying to persuade people that, you know, you, you can have your life simple. And did you succeed with the older than you? Not yet. Vyberte, <laughs> <laughs> Na zábavu, na sebe, nebo na rodinu. 
Dáme vám víc času na vše, na co máte chuť. Dáme jídlo. Porce života navíc. How long did it take you to, uh, uh, to prepare the time launch stuff from paper? It was a very intensive week when it comes to shoot, shooting. So the production was uh, basically one week of shooting and then some post-production work and so on. But uh, it was like three, four months. But uh, so three, four months preparing the, the spot. But then a uh, couple of months basically coming up also with the strategy, with the messaging, how we should move the messaging of, uh, of Dame Ilo. Because at the moment we are using that extra portion of life. Previously, uh, we were saying, uh, Dame jídlo, uh, tak na co máte chuť. Basically, it was like what you are craving for, if I'm supposed to translate it into English. Uh, there was still this inside of time, tak na co máte chuť, like what you are craving for, like what you want to do, basically. But uh, with the word chuť, taste, you know, people automatically related it to, to food. <laughs> Uh, and also when I'm say, uh, or if we were supposed to use that old tagline, the slogan, tak na smarte kuť, what I'm craving for, it doesn't fit to, to the new vertical, to the quick commerce, to, to, I don't know, flowers delivery, electronics delivery, maybe it would fit to the erotic city. <laughs> uh, but but uh, we need to come up with something, uh, something else and something that would better explain the, the, the strategy of time, saving time. Uh, like I think this is interesting uh, point what you mentioned, doing the market research to understand what is what is the main value, what is the main benefit that the user um, uh, gets. And again, I always try to give the example from from the B two B wallet because it's it's still whether it's B two B or B two C, you are still selling to humans uh, at the end. And very much we keep focusing on the features that we are providing. But like, if you just try to speak to the customer, understand, okay, they're gonna use their, your tool. What happens after that? What's what are what are they gonna achieve? Uh, after, are they using it to help them to save time? Is it gonna help them to um, uh, to grow the business um, uh, and uh, and so on? Like the the other the other interesting thing that you actually managed to get big brands to uh, follow follow your ideas. First of all, also why we decided to play with the vertical videos. Uh, it, it's still, I don't want to say that we are a startup company, uh, but uh, we don't have unlimited budgets, so we need to be also very cost effective. So for us using those vertical videos, we can simply play with that, you know, change some some uh, some of the videos, and voila, we have a new spot. Uh, I need to be that cost effective because, again, uh, you know, what is different in the marketing world from, from those 50s and 60s uh, in Mad Men, uh, you need to constantly produce new content. You know, uh, if you are running uh, TV spots, probably you know you produce a couple of them during the year. But I imagine social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, stories, TikTok, and so on. You constantly need to come up with uh, with new content. So you also need to have some simple, you know, creative cont uh, uh, simple creative framework. That would allow you to to come up uh, with, uh, uh, with with this content, and also it needs to be unified. Uh, your audience need to recognize you that this is your communication. Though maybe they will not focus on it, but uh, they might just hear your music. You know that's why even the music is very important because uh, if you are watching TV, if there is some uh, you know ad break, very often you, you will go on your cell phone, you will start talking to your friends and so on. But Maybe you will still hear the music and you will relate it to, to Dame Ilo. The symbols for the brand are very important. For us at the moment, the symbol is not only our brand, it's not, not only uh, our slogan, uh, it's also the music and it's the creative concept. It, it's still new, we still need to push it, but uh, from the first results uh, we are seeing that it's working. And uh, also, uh, how to say, Dame Ilo would not exist without our partners. We are also having, you know, on the platform, those big brands like McDonald's, KFC, Burger King, and so on. A again, it's fast food. Some people might not like it, but uh, you know, the market is still otherwise. You know, everyone loves McDonald's. Everyone loves KFC. You know, it's a uh, comfort food. Basically, people are loving it, and uh, uh, we we managed to achieve one great thing, and uh, I'm happy for that. That also the the big brands like that are. Uh, liking the, the creative concept 
and they allowed us to to play actually with their brands. Here we have just one example, I think, from uh, KFC. Uh, it, it might you know it may seem uh, you know something small, but imagine a huge corporation, huge brand like KFC. For them, uh, the, the brand is the <clears throat> sorry the, the brand is the most valuable for KFC. You know it, it's not the the shops uh, and and so on. The, the value is in the brand, and they allowed us to play with the brand. Yeah. Porce KFC navíc. Vychutnejte si kyblík a v něm 10 hot wings, 4 stripsy a dvoje hranolky jen za 199. Jedině nadáme jídlo. Uh, like speaking speaking about the brand like you have you have a very um uh, well established brand uh, here in Czech Republic. How how do you actually as a marketing director how do you split your budget between like branding and between like what we call like performance or direct response campaigns? Uh, I don't know. I don't know from the top of my head if it's fifty-fifty, but it, it would be uh, kind of similar because, as I say, if I wanted to be marketing director just for one year, I would put everything into performance, just to you know generate the order, uh, generate the, the orders, generate the acquisitions. But if I want to build something long term, I need to build a brand. I need to you know build strong brand, uh, the brand with you know some unified image. Uh, that would stick into people's heads. Uh, uh, there's the great statement by, by John Haggerty. He's the founder of PPH agency. And uh, basically, he, he's saying that through advertising, you are buying, or through marketing, you're buying the, the most expensive real estate there is. You're buying the, the space in, in people's minds. And, and this is what's all marketing about. So, so you, you need to build a brand to create those bonds, those those emotions. And if you think of strong brands, you know, globally, Nike, uh, Apple, uh, and so on, you know, they stand for something. There is this uh, this bond. And I don't know when I saw some, you know, Nike performance marketing you know, on Facebook or. Uh, or on Google, but I still buy them because there's this emotional bond between me and the brand. Yeah, uh, and like speaking also like about uh, about partners. So like one one important topic which uh, uh, many people uh, were interested in is actually working with influencers. You 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 have been doing that. You are, you, you keep doing that. Uh, how do you manage this partnership? Like how do you actually choose? Right, uh, influencers. I assume a lot of people just come to you. Hey, uh, we want to work with you just to, to, to make money. Uh, so how do you actually evaluate the right influencers to work with, and how do you evaluate the partnership after that? When it uh, also comes to brand, uh, and when you're working with the brand, and when you're choosing how how you will communicate to your target audience, there is a point in time when you need to choose how you will communicate. Uh, as I mentioned previously, good marketing and advertising and storytelling. You know, since we are a child, uh, uh, or since we are children, we are being told stories. And there are several communication archetypes. Uh, uh, you, you can choose, you know, you can be joker, or, or you can do some crazy stuff, and so on. And my predecessors, uh, marketing directors, uh, well, before me, uh, they cho- they chose uh, how to say it in, uh, like a wise man or in Czech Mudrz, mm-hmm. uh, which is a very difficult one because everyone imagines uh, you know Gandalf or uh, or someone like that you know old man giving advices. Uh, so, so we are saying that we are uh, you know young kind of wise man or, or something like that. So so we are trying to use influencers. Uh, uh, that stand at least like a uh, little bit for more, you know, that have interesting background. So, for example, when it comes to food, we cooperate with uh, one influencer. Uh, she's called uh, To Idlo. Uh, her name is Kristina Skalicka. Uh, and, you know, her Instagram or profile is not only about, uh, you know, eat this or, or not eat that. Basically, uh, she's trying to push to people you can eat whatever you want, you know, it's about the balance, you should enjoy the food, uh, and so on. And that, that, that's kind of messaging we, we are trying to to have. And with that extra portion of life, I think it's great tagline, because then it uh, gives us space, choose influencers that will inspire people. You know, uh, basically, we are trying to 
through our influencers and also content. We are having our own blog. We are having uh, podcasts. Uh, we are trying to inspire people how to enjoy that extra portion of life. So there is a connection between the tagline, how we are using the influencers, how we are working with the content. Amazing. And actually, are you using any any specific tools to uh, like um, uh, measure uh, the quality of each influencer or even the partnership uh, with them? Uh, yes, we are using a couple of tools. Uh, I think one of the great tools uh, we just started using is Monash. Uh, basically, before the before the start of every cooperation, uh, of course, we we check the number of followers. But I'd say that it's not really important metric to look at because at the end of the day, it's more important how people engage with the content of the influencer. So we do measure engagement rate. We also measure the, the quality of the audience, if the audience or if the followers of the influencers are from the Czech Republic. Because, yeah, maybe it would be great to have Peter Czech, uh, our, one of the, our most successful football players, uh, as, a, uh, as an influencer. But definitely the majority of his audience is from abroad because he used to play for uh, Chelsea Football Club. Uh, so, so, so we do focus on Czech audience. We do focus on influencers that have high engagement rate, uh, that influencers that can inspire people. And then, of course, uh, we cooperate with many different influencers that uh, you know, can reach different target groups. So we have the lifestyle, uh, lifestyle influencers. We have influencers uh, that can kind of communicate to, to mothers, mothers who already have families, uh, but also, of course, to young people. Uh, we have, uh, I don't know if you know, for example, Jay Novoku. Uh, at the moment, he's also uh, basically the, the, he's the host of our podcast. Andrzej uh, Wotny is the, the man uh, who founded Octagon. The, the, he's the leading man basically in the MMA scene. But uh, at the same time, he's very knowledgeable and he's having another podcast about uh, Czech football scene, football club, and so on. We are working with uh, Esuba. Uh, Esuba is the oldest uh, kind of gaming clan or gaming group in the Czech Republic and the most successful one. So we are trying to reach also the gamers, the audience. So it's uh, it's you know it's very interesting to meet with you know different people, different groups. Uh, also this year we started cooperation with Shoyana Krause. Uh, at the same time, he's both influencer but also it's on TV uh, and so on. Uh, and there are more to come. Like, so with all with all these people that you are cooperating with, what is usually the main metric that you are looking for? Like after like like to to look at the success of such a, a partnership, what what is the main metric that you are looking for? Um, for me, it's definitely kind of engagement rate and reach that, that our message can can reach the audience. Uh, uh, but sometimes we are using influencers just uh, kind of as another channel. To, for some tactics, uh, for me as a marketing director, one of the main KPIs uh, is acquisitions, like number of new customers I can attract to, to the service, to Dame Ilo. And so, for example, through, but I, I, again, it's not something innovative through, through influencers, we are distributing uh, our vouchers. So, so then I can measure, you know, which influencer generated the more, or, uh, the, the, more the majority of orders or the majority of acquisitions. Uh, sometimes we are using influencers to increase the followers of Damido, for example, on Instagram, on, on, on Facebook. Uh, that, that's also easily measurable. Uh, or, or then, you know, we can also see if there is some large influencer that, and we, we start a cooperation that our app downloads, the, the downloads of our app will, will increase. And I think it's almost two years ago, one year and a half ago, Volt. Yeah, uh, used Laos Maresh, uh, and it was very interesting for me to see the results. Uh, you know how much downloads it generated for them. Wow! All right. Uh, so speaking speaking about data, like you mentioned, that um, making making the use of data to acquire free PR. Yep. How do you achieve that? Data does not need to be used only for the. Uh, for the purpose of the company, for the internal management and internal processes. But uh, uh, through data, you can tell nice stories as well. Maybe it's a bit difficult or maybe more tough, 
but uh, uh, it pays off. Uh, on a regular basis, uh, we work with journalists, we provide them with our data, with our data insights, and for us it's usually uh, kind of free media publicity, and we generate many, many outputs just through data, data journalism. Uh, basically, here what you can see is just one example. Uh, this is example of one day. Uh, basically, we have really strong, again, it's natural, lunch peak and dinner peak. Uh, and for me, it's always nice to compare it to other countries within Delivery Hero because Czech Republic is number one uh, when it comes to lunch orders. Nowhere else in the world uh, they are having such high you know, number of lunches. Uh, uh, you might love, it's uh, on the one hand a uh, nice problem to have because you have many orders. On the other hand, just for those two hours of lunch, you need you know, really, really high uh, number of riders. And normally people do not want to work just for two hours. You know? So it's a real business problem. And uh, I, I was comparing us to, to Greece, to, to Sweden, to Asia, to South America. We are really number one when it comes to number of, uh, of lunches, and we have also daily menus. Maybe for you in the Czech Republic, you know, you, you are being used to it. Like go to the restaurant and for the lunch order from daily menu. Uh, nowhere else in the world they are having daily menus. So you know, also special features needs to be developed for our platform. To, uh, do, you, do you actually have an idea why Czech people like order a lot of food during lunch? Like, uh, I think for us we do not think about it. Uh, it's uh, Basically, since we are young, we are used to it. In uh, in kindergarten, in, in elementary school, you know, we are be being fed with proper food, warm lunch. With a beer on the side. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if if uh, you know your kids or went to school in the Czech Republic and for lunch they would hand him a sandwich, well, most of the parents would complain. So, so we are we are used to it. I know you are one of the, uh, of the earliest users of uh, Kabula, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so, and I'm sure you have, you have tons of data that is uh, feeding on, not, not just marketing data, but actually like the, uh, the usage of, uh, of your platform. How are you managing this, this amount of data and how are you putting it into use for, uh, for the business? Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's a uh, kind of very complicated uh, question, and uh, the answer could be pretty long. Uh, you know, this is just to demonstrate what needs to happen within those 10, uh, 15, 20 minutes uh, until when your order is being delivered. You know, if you go to a restaurant very often, uh, you will not receive the food uh, in 20 minutes. You know, and us or also our competitors, uh, they, they will deliver the food to you in 20 minutes. And th this is, you know, what needs to happen. The, the process is very complicated. Of course, everything is being by by uh, everything is being driven by data. Uh, it's automated. Of, of course, we can't do that manually. So there are complicated algorithms uh, behind it. Uh, and, and then you need to definitely choose the right partners and the, the right technology. So, so for business intelligence, as you mentioned, we are working with uh, Kebula, which is company originally founded in the Czech Republic. It's a data integration platform. Uh, they are great. Uh, we are also using uh, good data for the for accessing the data to, to, to business. So it's um, maybe you know Tableau. So, so good data is something kind of like a Czech Tableau, but uh, it's very very cost effective. Uh, and we do like to work with other Czech startups. We use uh, Clever Maps. Uh, it's for data, visual, uh, data visualization in maps. And again, I highly recommend it because uh, our account managers, uh, when they are going to restaurants, you know, discussing with them their business and where their business is, uh, they are not showing them just some Excel file or, or you know, outputs from Tableau and so on. But they are working. Uh, they are showing them the maps. You know, from which part of Prague, let's say, the, the orders are generated. So th then we can adjust the delivery zones and so on. And it's completely different talk and discussion when you can actually visualize the information in a real nice way. So, so Clever Maps, we are also using Bistreet uh, as our data architects and they're called them data detectives because if we were supposed to do everything on our own, it would be very, very you know, costly. So we are working with great partners, uh, great teams, uh, 
And what I need to mention that for us, the customer experience and the data is not only about uh, about customers or as a or customers meet, uh, meant in a way consumers. For us, it's very important also to to work with our partners, with restaurants and shops, also with riders and with employees. So we really, when it comes to data, measure all those pillars, and they are equally important because we would not have orders from consumers without having partners, without having traders, without having employees. So all those things need to be in balance. Uh, I know you are, you, are, you are not using DataDo yet, but I will be selling you DataDo uh, later. Uh, we'll speak about data integrations. You have tons of them and you have multiple teams. How, how, can, you, how can you help each team to just, just okay, this is, this is the one report that is useful for you, this is what, um, uh, what you can use. How, how are you handling this, this uh, vast amount of data? A couple of years ago, I would say that many companies were facing uh, an issue that they are not having the data or, or the, the reports. At the moment, for me, in Dramilo, when it comes to, to data, the, the biggest issue is that we are having way too many data and way too many reports. And it's very easy to, to get lost in them because uh, if you're checking them on a daily basis, maybe you know something is, uh, or there, there's not every day when something interesting is happening. So, so sometimes uh, you will not focus on the data, but, but there might be some problem hidden. So what is happening to us very often that, uh, mm, as mentioned, we are having more than 6,000 restaurants and it's simply not possible you know, for the, the account managers manually check you know, report for 6,000 restaurants, whether the previous day uh, you know, they were on, whether they were having the orders and so on. So, for example, at the moment I'm working on something called anomaly detection, that uh, I would get the, the right data at the right time to right stakeholders, and I'm trying to automate it because it can really save us hundreds of thousands, maybe millions in costs. Uh, simple example, uh, of course, we are using vouchers a lot uh, in vouchers for, for uh, consumers. Uh, it's very easy to uh, make a mistake when you're setting up the voucher. And one, there was a time when it happened to my colleague that uh, instead of discount 50 crowns, she set up a voucher in a way that everything for 50 crowns. <laughs> Uh, and some students at Chattanooga Technical University discovered it. Um, and yes, they bought a lot of alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> and if we didn't have this animal detection, it would be really, really costly. You know, if this was running for a couple of days. Uh, so how long did it take you to, to, to figure it out? A couple hours. But, yeah. but still, it cost us like 300,000 or something. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, so, so yes, it's really important to, to have the data at the right moment to the right uh, stakeholders. Because, believe me, we have hun basically hundreds of different metrics. Uh, but uh, at the end of the day, ne they need to be understandable. So we came up, for example, with simple score. Uh, you know, grading uh, every hour order from a scale one to five, like in Czech school, one the best, five the worst. But behind that, uh, there are like 90 different metrics that, uh, you know, are being implemented into that one simple score. Uh, but it's easily understandable. Everyone, you know, understands one to five. Uh, and, and then if we make average on a daily basis for all our partners at the end of the day, we know if this day was a good day, if we scored, I don't know, one or 1.2, 1.3, or if we scored three. But what I also want to mention, and very often it is happening, and uh, I have witnessed it in uh, many companies, that very often the people within the company are very pessimistic. Before implementing this score, we asked our management, man management team, people who are with the company four or five years, they are the seniors, they know how the, how the business is working. We asked them, you know, what they, you know, what do they think, what will be the score for us, for the Amigo? And they predicted like 3.8, so actually pretty bad. Uh, but the, re the reality is 1.7. Uh, and th this, this is also very happening in the companies that, you know, if you go to the office every day, mostly you're dealing with some issues, with troubles, with problems, with fuck-ups and so on. So it's easy to get, you know, depressed, to be pessimistic, but, uh, you know, 90% of time, 95% of time the service is working, it's okay. 
So this is also one of my learnings that uh, not to get too pessimistic, you know, not to get too dragged uh, by, by those issues, by those problems. It's business. There will always be some issue to solve. But uh, the reality might, might be much brighter. Like I think one, one thing that we are uh, implementing in, in, in that I do what she was calling internal marketing. So actually marketing to your own employees. Uh, so like, yeah, having, because as you said, like every one of the, uh, if you're employees is focusing on their own, on their own work, many of the time they're going to be focusing on the fuck up. Like if everything is running smoothly, no one's going to contact you. They're going to contact you when things are, are fucked up. So it's, it's important actually to show to the rest of the company how if we think have the big picture, actually things are going smoothly. Hopefully uh, they are going um, uh, smoothly. You you are using uh, like um, uh, text uh, analysis uh, for your for your use um, because that was something uh, that we were kind of missing out for a very long time. That uh, I'd say that we are good when it comes to working with data, with numbers and so on, but uh, we were not very much focusing on the text commentaries and uh, on the on the reviews and so on. And uh, uh, I think this year we we ran. Uh, a lot of analysis on it, and again, making those data accessible uh, to our account managers, to, to our partners. And we started a cooperation with Czech startup called Genia. They are really great when it comes to text analysis. Uh, here you can see some of the examples of the, of the reviews. Uh, uh, people are saying that we had really nice writers. They are asking for a contact for writer. Uh, and so on, but uh, very often, of course, they are using some negative reviews, some bad words, and, and so on. So, firstly, you also need to categorize it. Uh, um, you need to work with that. Uh, and um, we came up with like simple categories, simple visual visualization of what was in the text. Uh, and for example, we uh, there are really sometimes really really nice insights. You know what is happening, why customers are not satisfied. So. Uh, I think I can't really mention the, the, the brand, but it's one of the biggest fast food brands uh, in the Czech Republic and also globally. And thanks to the text analysis, we found out that uh, actually uh, that the reason why many customers were unhappy was uh, not the food uh, or not the, the writer or not that we would uh, arrive late. But uh, it, it was simple thing. It was this: uh, the, when the order was being completed, they forgot to add straw for the drink. <laughs> you know, and, and just simple thing like that, missing straw. You know, when you want to drink, you need the straw very often. Can uh, can make the, the experience bad. So we discovered it thanks to the, thanks to the text analysis. We we warned the the, the client so, so or the partner. So at the moment they are focusing on it. So that the, the straw is uh, really present uh, when they are completing the order and the order order rating uh, went up. Like I think maybe uh, one thing to add uh, to add here is even doing that with the competitors. Uh, so again, I always give the example with uh, with B two B that since that's what we are doing. Like going to some reviews website, like go to g2.com, for example, or or if it's Google, depending on where people leave um, uh, leave reviews for your competitors, and you can just scrape all the text. And whether you're gonna do it manually or use use some tool for that, you can figure out what their customers are frustrated about, and then you can optimize that in your own tool and start um, uh, promoting this. Is there is there anything else you need to add? Uh, it applies both to, to data and to marketing. That it's actually never ending uh, because uh, when speaking about marketing, if we were sitting here three four three four years ago, we would not be speaking about TikTok. We would not be speaking about Twitch. There will be new channels, new media to come up. There will be new influencers, uh, new trends, uh, and so on. The, the, the world is constantly changing. So if you're a marketer, of course, you constantly need to learn. Uh, and the same applies to data, because uh, simply the, uh, there are more and more data uh, we generate, we as consumers. Uh, of, of course, uh, the, the ways how we can work with them are, uh, I'd say, at, at the same time being in, improved. There are new ways, but uh, on the other hand, uh, the ways are also being limited. So I'm speaking about GDPR and uh, all, the, all the regulations. So we constantly need to learn, adjust, learn, adjust, come up with new ways. 
And uh, I think all of the companies and the managers who are constantly you know, learning ways, adjust, uh, innovate, uh, will survive. So I think we are running out of time and probably the food is, is, is getting cold. So I'm going to be a little bit dictator here with the last question. Um, what happened to the girl that uh, made the mistake with the voucher? <laughs> She's still walking there. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, that answers the question. Not at the moment, but not because of the mistakes, because mistakes uh, do happen. Uh, it's not the last mistakes I saw. Uh, uh, it's not the first mistake I saw. So I think I will see many, many mistakes like that in the future. Uh, that's why you, you need to have fail mechanisms like the animal detection and so on. We are all humans. We have emotions. We make mistakes. It's human to make mistakes. So. Uh, Radslav Strunko, thank you very much uh, for being here. Uh, thank you for having me. Thank you everyone for attending. We'll still be outside. I would uh, personally would love to uh, speak with as many of you as I can. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm.